big and wild Pecos, about which country alluring rumors had reached his ears. Colonel Lambeth's first move upon arriving home was to free those slaves who still remained on his plantation, despite the freedom for which the war had been waged, and the next, after selecting several favored horses, a wagon and equipment, and a few possessions that would have been hard to part with, he put the plantation and everything on it under the hammer. Little indeed did he realize from this sale. Then came news of his brother's death, and with it a legacy sufficient to enable him to carry on. But Lambeth had had enough of a planter's ups and downs. The soil was poor, and he had neither the desire nor the ability to try again. The West called. Texans impoverished by the war and the riffraff left over from the army were spreading far and wide to the north and west lured on by something magnetic and compelling. Lambeth journeyed across the Mississippi to return with sad and imperishable memories of his brother, and with the means to fulfill his old forlorn hope, to find and stock a ranch in the West. Two of Lambeth's younger generation of slaves, out of the many who wanted to cleave to him, he listened to, appreciative of what their help would mean on such a hazardous enterprise as he was undertaking. But, Sambo, you're a free man now, argued Lambeth. Yes, sir, I sure knows I's emancipated. But, Colonel, I don't know what to do with it. This was a problem Sambo shared with the other slaves. He had been sold to Lambeth Plantation from the Texas Plains and was a stalwart, sober Negro. Lambeth had taken Sambo on his latest buffalo hunts, finding in him a most willing and capable hand. Moreover, he was one of the few really good Negro vaqueros. It was Sambo who had taught Terrell to stick like a burr on a horse and to throw a lasso, and he had always been devoted to the girl. This last fact decided Lambeth. Very well, Sambo, I'll take you. But what about Maury? And Lambeth indicated the handsome negress who accompanied Sambo. Well, Colonel, we done got married when you was away. Maury's a devlin' me to go along with you. There ain't no better cook than Maury, sir. Sambo's tone was wheedling. Lambeth settled with this couple, but turned a deaf ear to the other loyal Negroes. The morning of their departure, Terrell walked along the old road between the canal and the grove of stately moss-curtained oaks that surrounded the worn and weathered colonial mansion. It was early spring. The air was full of the sweet, fragrant languor of the South. Mockingbirds were singing, full-throated and melodious. Meadowlarks and swamp blackbirds sang their farewell to the south for that season. The sky was blue and the sun shone warm. Dewdrops like diamonds sparkled on the grass. Beyond the great lawn, a line of dilapidated old cottages faced the road, vacant-eyed and melancholy. From only a few rose the thin columns of blue smoke that denoted habitation. The happy, dancing, singing slaves were gone, and their whitewashed homes were falling to ruin. Terrell had known them all her life. It made her sad to say goodbye to them, yet she was deeply glad that it was so and that slaves were no longer slaves. Four years of war had been unintelligible to Terrell. She wanted to forget that and all of the suffering and the bitterness. When she returned from this, her last walk along the beloved old canal with its water lily pads floating on the still surface, she found the horses in the yard and Sambo carrying out her little brass-bound French trunk. Missy Rear, I done my best, 
said Sambo, as he shoved the trunk into the heavily laden canvas-covered wagon. Sambo, what are you sneaking in on me here? demanded Lambeth, his sharp dark eyes taking in the situation. Mrs. Trunk, sir. Real what's in it? queried her father. All my little treasures. So few, Dad. My jewelry, laces, pictures, books, and my clothes. Dresses, you mean? Real, you'll not need them out where we're going, he replied, his gaze approving of her as she stood there in boy's garb her trousers in her boots, her curls hidden under the wide-brimmed soft hat. Never? she asked wistfully. I reckon never, he returned gruffly. After we leave here, you're the same as a real son to me. Real a girl would be a handicap, not to speak of risk to herself. Beyond Santoni, it's wild country. Dad, I'd sure rather be a boy, and I will be.